The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Let me tell you a story. The last Shemitah, I was in Eretz Yisrael, and I was invited to come to visit one of these Moshavim where they keep Shemitah. And I came to this farm, huge farm, and there's nobody inside. There's nobody there. And I was taken to see a vineyard, a keren. As far, it was so huge, as far as the eye can see. You saw the vines with the grapes. And you see that they're cracking because they hadn't been pruned. There's an issue of zmirah. So they're trying to support it with ropes. And the person who's telling me said that men, men, much of this merchandise is going, to be, is going to be lost. You're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of grapes. And there's not a person inside. There's no one here. It's like Shabbos Kodesh. There's no, no one's working. No one's here. And I see on the side, there's a man sitting there in Gungarees, a Svaradi with a beard and a baseball cap. And I asked him, who's that? And he says, he's the owner. I go over to him, I said, you could just sit here and watch your entire fortune? Just, just stand there and watch and not do anything to save it? He looked at me with the most beautiful smile. And he said, With such pure emunah! He believed it with every fiber of his being. A big businessman said to me, it's a good thing Hashem didn't give Shemitah here in America. He knew where to give the mitzvah. HaKadosh Baruch who gives and gives, but who does it belong to? A person can think, it's me, it's my brains, my ambition, I did this deal, I'm this, and then I had this, and all blah. He's living in a dream world. The foundation, the foundation of Torah, of mitzvot, of our connection to Beth HaMikdash, is to know Kili Kol Ha'oretz. And that takes tremendous strength. Anif Choma. That's where the strength comes from. To be able to live in this world where everything says opposite. And everything is based around, I've accomplished this, and I've achieved this, and I have so much, and this is mine, and this is mine. To be strong in our Munah, that needs an inner strength, that only someone who's connected to the Beis Hamikdash can feel. Only somebody who knows who he truly is. It was a Yidin Eretz Yisrael's name was Abavram Tokar. He said he remembered the Chofetz Chaim. And he went to visit the Chofetz Chaim in Radin, and the Chavetz Chaim asked him what he does. He told him about his business. And he said that he owns a beautiful home in this and this town. The Chavetz Chaim said to him, that home is not yours. He said, what do you mean it's not mine? I paid for it. He said, no, no, it's not yours. That's just where you live. That's where you stay. What's yours is your Torah mitzvot. That's not yours. And, and, and he said, I was very upset when he said that to me. I didn't like it. When the Germans came into our town, and they took all of the Jews into the forest, and they forced us to dig ditches, and they came with their machine guns, and they mowed us all down. And as the Kedoshim, as the holy martyrs were falling into the grave, I fell with them, and their bodies were falling on top of me. But I realized I was still alive, and I waited until nightfall, and then I crawled out. I had just been hit by a bullet in the foot, but I was able to run to the forest, I spent the rest of the war hiding in the forest. After the war, I emigrated to Eretz Yisrael. And then I realized how right the Chofetz Chaim was. My house is not my house. My business is not my business. Everything belongs to the Rabbi Nishleilam. That's when I understood the MS.
But sometimes we forget. It's a big Yitzhahara. They tell the story about Rabbi Chaim Velazhnam. Two people came to him for it in Torah. They were arguing about a piece of land. And one said, the land is mine. The other one said, the land is mine. And Rabbi Chaim lied down on the floor, put his ear to the ground. They said, Rabbi, what are you doing? He said, well, the land says, this one says, the land belongs to him. The land says, soon you both belong to me. What do we really have? What's really ours? The only thing that truly belongs to us is the accomplishments that we do. For HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for Am Yisrael, Torah, Mitzvah, Chesed, Tzedakah, that is ours. Everything else is an illusion. I was once visiting somebody in Columbia Hospital in Manhattan, and I came downstairs, I was waiting for the person who came with me to bring the car, and suddenly I see this amazing, long, stretched out Rolls Royce pulls up, and it's obviously a very important person. There's people running around. Must be I don't know who it is. Some some big figure. Obviously very very wealthy. And there's they're scurrying about. Make make place make place. And one chauffeur gets out. The other one closes the door. And they're coming running out. And they open the door. And an old old man comes out with a walker. And behind him there's a tray, the canister of oxygen, and it's connected to him. And he's walking along like this. Now, if you would ask how much this man was worth, his net worth was somewhere in the billions, he would say. But the truth is, he was worth only as much as that canister was worth. He's only worth the breath that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him. And if he can't have that, he can't even buy one breath for $10 billion. So we have to know the Emes, and we can only know the Emes, if we're connected to Bet HaMikdash. No, somebody sent me a, a piece of paper. It was, it was, somebody's trying to market. It was very popular for a while, but then it became very unpopular. Somebody developed a new type of wristwatch. It's called the ticker. It's a very unusual watch. You know, most watches tell you the time. This one had two dials. There's a little computer inside this watch, and it asks you all sorts of questions about how old you are, your weight and your health habits, you drink, you smoke, and you know, and the computer little program, and it programs based on all their logarithms what day you're expected to die. And then the dial on the watch starts ticking off, and every day you see it going down. It's quite shocking. Now, some people said, I'm not wearing one of those things. That's very depressing. But they say that the people who wore it became filled with an appreciation for life. They stopped thinking about foolishness, and they started to think about things that were real. What am I here for? What am I, just a, a body? I'm, I'm flesh and bones, and, and I'm here to consume so many tons of chicken and meat and so many truckloads of soda. That's my purpose on this world. And he realized that we're here to be eternal. But we get taken along on this ride. We become so much sugar. And, 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 and the world has a way of putting us to sleep. I want to tell you a story. A few years ago, I drove from Muncie to Lakewood. I had to go back at night. And two Bokram asked me if they, can, they needed a ride to Muncie. Could they come along? I said, fine. And I started to drive back. I started to get very tired. I was very tired. I just couldn't keep my eyes open. And I started to drive, and I couldn't keep my eyes open. So I asked one of the Bokram, do you mind to take over? I just, you know, I'm going to put back the seat. I'm going to take a little nap. I said, fine, no problem. He pulled over to the side, and he takes the wheel. I went into the passenger seat, and I pulled it back, and I leaned back, and I woke up in Muncie. I slept the whole way through. I realized he made it very, very fast. They must have been doing 90 miles per hour. 
I felt it was a bit rude, you know, you take a bochint, he wants to talk, and then I, I just slept the whole way through. But what could I do? Okay, I fell asleep. About a year later, my son asks me, he says, Tati, do you remember last year you took two bochrim back from Lakewood? They came back with you to Muncie. said, yeah. They told me it was the best night of their life. And I said, I'm very flattered, you know, but I slept through the whole evening. I didn't say a word to them. He says, no, I don't understand. They were 15-year-olds. They didn't even have a license. <laughs> The truth. <laughs> I said, why didn't they tell me? He says, you asked, do you want to drive to Monsi? Of course they said yes. Sometimes we live like, like life like that, you know? We fall asleep and we let our lives be driven around by people without a license to tell you what life is about. This one says, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Do they know what? Do they know what's good? Do they know what it means? What they say is good for me. Who I come from the Beis Hamikdash, who I belong to a world of Beis I belong to a world of Mashiach. These people without even a license, even think, are going to dictate to me, how I should live my life, and who I want to emulate, and what I want to be. Like, am I crazy? Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.